it's not necessarily like the bells and whistles and like the school rankings and you know the fancy training gear that you can get it's going to be having those really good relationships that's going to be the the thing that takes you the furthest welcome to the shakeout podcast i'm your host kate van buskirk last week we sat down with middle distance phenom gabriella stafford At the time of our recording, Gabriella was fresh off a new Canadian indoor 5,000-meter record. Yesterday, she set a second Canadian record, this time in the indoor mile. She won the prestigious New Balance Indoor Grand Prix in Boston, lowering the old Canadian record, which incidentally I held, by two seconds, running a blazing 424.8. The University of Toronto standout and Olympian has been busy lately. She changed training groups, moved to Scotland, and got married all in the space of five months. Gabriella is temporarily back in Toronto to finish her last season of eligibility with the Varsity Blues before making a more permanent move to Glasgow in the spring with her new husband. She will be training through the 2020 Olympic trials with Scottish athlete Laura Muir, one of the top mid-distance runners in the world, under the guidance of coach Andy Young. We caught up with Gabriella, or G as she's known by her teammates, in our Toronto studio. So welcome, Gabriella, and thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. How was your training session this morning? It was good. It was a tough one, uh, but it was nice not to have to be outside today. I had an extra track session this week instead, so that comes with some pros and cons for sure. For those who are not in Toronto, it is currently pretty much a blizzard out there and about minus 25 with the wind chill. So it's one of those days it's very good to be indoors. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So you were just over at the University of Toronto track doing your training. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And of course, that is your soon-to-be alma mater. You have one season left, one semester left. Yeah. You have had one of the most successful collegiate careers of any Canadian runner in history. You've won multiple national titles, both at the U-sport level and at the Canadian national level. And you've represented our country at the World Championships, the Commonwealth Games, and the Olympic Games. So how did you manage the level of success that you've had in preparing for that with a heavy course load as an undergraduate and all of the other sort of social responsibilities that come with being a young student? (laughs) Um, Well, the short answer is with great difficulty. I definitely didn't socialize as much in my university experience as a lot of other uh, students, but that's fine with me. Um, I have a good group of close friends that I that I spend time with and the track team is like my main form of social interaction so that's been great um and the way that the school year sets up we finish in April and the track season that's really when it starts getting going so that's that is the good benefit is I don't really take any summer courses so once the summer season gets going it's my main focus is track so it's really good to be able to focus on track during those months of the year and during the indoor season in the cross-country season and if I have to stay up late to do an assignment and the workout suffers the next day then so be it but uh yeah it's tough to manage both but it's been okay so yeah I'm sure those time management skills will continue to serve you for a long time. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) So one of the things that's a little bit unusual about you as a young runner, and I think we're seeing more and more of this, which is great, particularly with our young women, but you, with the level of success that you've had, you pretty much could have had your pick of U.S. programs had Mm -hmm. you chosen to go to the NCAA. And in fact, you did explore that option a little bit Mm -hmm. in the beginning. Um, Maybe you could give us just some brief background about your decision to stay in Canada and train under the University of Toronto Varsity Blues. Yeah, uh, 
I, I did explore the NCAA. Um, I was really tempted to go to Stanford for a variety of different reasons. But at the end of the day, I just really trusted my current coach that I was working with, Terry Redchenko, at the University of Toronto. We were working really well together, and he was he was really helping me develop into this world-class athlete, and I just really trusted him in a way that at the, at the time I couldn't trust any other coach, and I really believed in his program. And so I was very close to going to an NCAA school because the NCAA is lots of glitz and glamour. Growing up in Toronto and going to high school here, it's, you know, you always want to kind of leave and experience a different city. But I am so happy that I stayed and continued to work with Terry and the program in Toronto. I have I have no regrets anyone having any other way. So at the end of the day, it was just the right decision. Well, and it's obviously paid off. I mean, you've had a really incredibly linear progression. Obviously, like any runner, you've had a couple injury setbacks here and there. But for the most part, it seems like you've run personal bests almost every year over the last several years. You know, as I said, multiple um, collegiate titles, multiple national titles. And as you mentioned, your coach, Terry, had a huge role in that. Is there anything else about that program and your time with them that has impacted your development and prepared you specifically for this level of international competition? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing with the program is I just I really brought in my scope of what I believed was possible for me as an athlete. When I started with them, I didn't really uh, have any, you know, I was hoping maybe I could get an awesome medal and I didn't really think I could ever make a national team. And just slowly over time, I just, you know, with, with Terry, we just, we just kept, uh, pushing the limits of what I thought was possible for me. And under his guidance, I really learned this self-confidence that just really propelled me forward to, to think bigger and think, why not me? Like, why can't I go to, you know, when I made my first national team in cross country, uh, which is definitely something I didn't think I was ever going to do. I thought, well, I never thought I would make a national team. So like maybe one day I could go to the Olympics and that just like learning how to believe more in myself is it's, it's something that I'll never be able to repay them for. So that is probably the biggest thing as well as really good workouts, obviously, but just the mental and the emotional aspect and the supportive atmosphere that Toronto uh, fostered was crucial in my development. Yeah, and I think that's a factor that is really difficult to put into words because it's hard to to quantify, right? Like yes. the impact that a connection with a coach can have, and Definitely. sometimes it's those intangibles. I, I think every decent coach can put together a decent workout, Definitely. right? But it's so much more than that. It's the relationship that you foster and the trust that you build. And um, yeah, like I said, it's obviously worked well for you. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, you are in the midst of some pretty big changes. So it's been a bit of a year for you, hasn't it? Or at least the last several months. Yeah, it's been um, a lot. <laughs> and I should mention that Gabriella's lovely new husband is in the room with us, Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you got married last weekend. Mm-hmm. And before that, you had made this temporary commitment to training in Glasgow, Scotland with Laura Muir, who's one of the top mid-distance runners in the world at this point. Let's back up to that a little bit. Let's talk about what the impetus was for that transition. I understand that you met your new coach at one of the Diamond League meets this summer, and there was sort of a connection for him there. But maybe you could give us a sense of what that's looked like over the last few months, what drew you to that group in general, and how the last few months have been training overseas. Yeah, so it kind of came about, so Laura... And her training partner, Gemma, were part of the same sports agency as me. So that's kind of how we had that connection. I was approached by a couple groups 
in the state's professional groups that wanted to recruit me after I was done my undergrad degree. So that just started having me thinking about just reevaluating my training location. And I was in a, in a decision-making process of, uh, you know, is Toronto still the best place for me to be? So that's kind of what made me think about should I change my program? Should I make any changes? But going to the US with Rowan, he's a Canadian and a British citizen. But so going to the US might be difficult from a from an immigration standpoint. So we were thinking, okay, well, um, we can look at some American groups um, and compare that with some of the Canadian groups, obviously Toronto. Um, But also we were thinking about some UK groups. And so obviously Laura's group came to mind. Yeah, and then I met Andy at Birmingham, and we had a brief conversation, but I wasn't sure that anything was going to come of that. And then we connected on the phone later that week um, and had a really good conversation. And he said, well, if you're interested in training with our group, it would be best if you came over for the fall, and then you could go back to Toronto during the winter to finish your degree, and then come over for the, the rest of the spring season. It was definitely like a big leap of faith on both our parts because we barely knew each other. But Laura seemed like a great person from, you know, what I just see of her on the track and uh, in interviews and such. So and it's very kind of them to to take me on. Uh, and yeah, this this fall has been has been great. Um, I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been a big change, but they've been so friendly um, and supportive of, of me when I went over there that. Yeah, it's been really fun. So and I know that there's probably a lot of different answers to this question, but mm-hmm. is there, what would you say has been sort of the most exciting thing and what's been the most challenging thing about mm. this move? And maybe, um, you know, I don't want you to give away all your secrets, <laughs> but I'm sure the training is a bit different. You've mm-hmm. you've said a, a few times, you've alluded to the mental toughness that you've gained mm-hmm. from this new training program. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll start there. Is the new training program, does it differ a lot from what you're used to? Yeah, I think... There's there's no workout that's really too, too different from what I was doing before. Some of the workouts appear a bit more frequently in the year, but they're just a bit more intense. Uh, we spend a bit more time in spikes. Probably the intensity has to do with trying to keep up with one of the best athletes in the world. Um, that kind of happens. My off-day runs are, the volume isn't quite different from what I was doing in Toronto, but the off-day runs are a bit faster. And yeah, the mental toughness part is... Uh, it's some of these workouts are just like almost as difficult as running a race. So it's, it's tough to get through those. And, uh, I thought I was mentally tough before, but it's a skill that I've had to keep, keep working at, but it's, uh, but it's been, it's fun. It's so some of the most exciting things are also the most challenging. That's, you know, it's like two sides of the same coin. So sometimes it, you know, when you're, when you conquer like a really tough workout that in the middle of it, you're like, Oh my gosh, like I'm not cut out for this. But you keep going and you're going to die, but you keep going and you finish it. And then at the end, you feel very, very proud of yourself and very excited. So in terms of the workouts, that's kind of the bigger change is just a bit more more intensity, I'd Mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, it sounds like, you know, you aren't you don't have the typical trajectory for a collegiate athlete. I think one of the big challenges that people face often when they leave the collegiate program is that huge change in intensity from collegiate to pro. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that, you know, lots of coaches try to make that as smooth as possible, but there's usually a pretty big adjustment period. Mm -hmm. But with someone like yourself, you've already run so fast, had so much success. You're used to training at a certain international level to begin with. And it sounds like that probably set you up well for this transition. Yeah, I definitely think that the way that the Toronto program worked 
um, from what I hear from other people. Um, Terry kind of almost already trained us like pros, just in the sense of the, you know, the Canadian running circuit. There's not as many races as like the NCAA. So we, you know, you, you focus more energy on fewer races. Um, and I think a lot of NCAA athletes sometimes struggle with going to that approach in racing mm-hmm. afterwards. But Terry kind of always already did that. So, yeah. yeah. So you've just set this stunning new Canadian record in the Endure mm-hmm. 5000, blowing almost 30 seconds off the old record. And you're only a few seconds away from the outdoor record now. <laughs> and I know that um, you were interviewed quite a bit after this race, which it sounds like was more of a time trial really than a race yeah. with you and Laura. And you said that you knew that you were in the best shape of your life and you were pretty certain that the Canadian record was within reach. Mm-hmm. Did you expect that you would run as fast as you did in that race? Yeah, I mean, I definitely hoped I would. Um, you know, who doesn't want to break 15 minutes? But I thought that I would get pretty close just because if I wasn't going to get close, then I was going to spend a lot of time in no man's land in that race because it was a 3000 and then Laura and I continued to do 5000 meters. So yeah, unless I wanted to do a significant amount of work on my own, then I was going to get pretty close to 15. So are are we going to see you focusing on the 5000 a little bit more? I don't know. I asked that question. (laughs) I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. But Andy has this like little like evil grin that he gets whenever I bring it up. So I feel like the 5000 definitely it's not the last of me in the 5000 for sure. But (laughs) well, you've got incredible range and you've run significant times from events ranging from 800 now up to 5000 and pretty much everything in between. Do you have a favorite event? Is there an event that you've enjoyed the most? Oh, I don't know. I think once you run too many of one event, you start to feel a little bit stale. And then like when you change events, it becomes really exciting and new. And and then you're like, oh, no, I love this event the most. So I mean, I think the 1500 is kind of my baby, but I've always loved the 3000. Um, I wish it was an official event outdoors. I enjoyed the 5000. I mean, we've only run one, but... Yeah, I think the 3,000 might be my favorite, though. Okay, well, we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed for them to put a a flat 3K in the Olympics then. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Well, speaking of the Olympics, we're now, of course, less than two years out from the Tokyo 2020 Games. Mm -hmm. What can we expect to see from you over the next couple of years? What are your goals? What are you hoping to get out of this next 18-month period? Yeah, so I don't know what event you'll see me in, so (laughs) we'll both be surprised by that. But definitely want to break four minutes in the 1500. And I definitely want to make a world final and either the 1500 or the 5000, depending on what what I choose to do. I really want to be the first Canadian woman to break four. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, that record needs to go down. It's been here long enough. We need someone to do it. <laughs> yes, yes. As lovely as Lynn is. <laughs> yes, of course. No, records are made to be broken. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she's incredibly supportive and positive and, and she's yeah. a wonderful woman. Well, and speaking of supportive people, you come from a running family. Mm-hmm. Your father competed at multiple World Cross Country Championships. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, your younger sister, Lucia, mm-hmm. is a rising star in her own right on the track. Mm-hmm. So you obviously come from great genes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is your dad the reason that you got into running? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I don't think he's the reason that I stayed in running, but... Uh, yeah, in grade four, it was the only school team that you could try out for was cross country at the time. And so I thought, well, my dad was good at it. But it's definitely it's a tough sport to stay in uh, from a mental perspective. And I was talking to my family last night and they were saying that I was really intense even when I was nine. <laughs> but yeah, so I was uh, I was I was committed to trying to get the most out of myself pretty quickly. And my dad was a, a, a key 
part in helping me foster that love, but I don't think he's the reason that I stayed in it. Sure. Do, do you still run with him at all? No, sadly. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he um, I ran with him bit, a bit more when I was younger, but uh, not, not as much anymore. Okay. <laughs> And Rowan, does Rowan do your training with you? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did He did my 100s with me in the other workout the other day. <laughs> nice. That's one thing about, you know, marrying another athlete is that you have somewhat of a built-in training partner, right? <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was awesome. <laughs> so what's the, so, you know, again, you're 23. Mm-hmm. You just got married. Yeah. You've been to the Olympics. You've been to all of these major championships. I mean, you've got your life together much more than most people I know who are, <laughs> you know, a decade older than you. At least on the outside. So you're here for the next several, well, the next few months, and then you're heading to Scotland. Mm-hmm. And is that going to be, is that sort of a permanent move up until 2020? Is your plan to be there more or less until those games? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, the, that's the plan so far. Rowan just gone into law school at the University of Glasgow. So oh, that's very exciting. Yeah. That is exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> I was going to ask what that was going to look like, but that's mm-hmm. awesome. So will you be, you, you'll be moving there together in May? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's good that we figured out a place that works for both of us. And yeah, we both love Scotland. So really excited about moving there. Yeah. What's what's that move been like from sort of a a lifestyle perspective or just getting used to a new country? Like like what is it about Scotland that you enjoy? Yeah, it's been really it's been really nice. I always thought in high school that I would be somebody to to move cities. And and I didn't in the end, but I'm totally no regrets about that. It was totally the right decision to stay in Toronto. But it's very exciting to just experience in you. I'm not quite sure like what it is about like Glaswegian culture that's so different, but it, they're just everyone's just very friendly there, and it's there's like a buzz about the city. Um, and it's also great because it's not as big as Toronto, and it doesn't sprawl out as much, so it's quite easy to just take a train and be out of the city and be able to go on these lovely walks and you know go in the Scottish hills and. Yeah, so it's um I'm not sure what it is exactly about Glasgow, but mm-hmm. it's a yeah, it's a lovely city and so we really like it. Yeah, that's great and I'm glad that it's feeding into that sense of adventure a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just it's good to it's good to experience what it's like to live in a new city. Yeah. So. And I'm sure your family will miss you, but it gives them a chance to an excuse to travel overseas now too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I think my dad is so he, my dad is a professor and he he said he has a a conference in either Edinburgh or um Glasgow, so we might be seeing him nice. in the summer. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing you've eaten in Scotland so far? Oh, the weirdest thing I've eaten? I mean, that deep fried Mars bar was pretty weird. I don't know why it's like a Scottish stereotype because like Scottish people don't eat deep fried Mars bars, but for some reason it's like a Scottish thing. Um, but it was it was good. Like Mars <laughs> bars are yummy and it was just melted chocolate. So that was yummy. Yeah. Haggis kind of tastes like tortier. So mm-hmm. that wasn't too that wasn't too strange to eat at all. The Canadians on this podcast listening will know what tortilla tastes like. Yeah. It's like haggis. So. Okay, good to know. <laughs> yeah. like, tastes like chicken. Tastes like haggis. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> Do you have? And again, you've packed so much into a fairly short career so far, which I'm sure will be much longer. But um, as of now, do you have any memories in the sport or experiences or specific competitions that stand out as just being incredible for you? Mm. Do you have any favorite memories of the sport so far? I definitely loved the World Championships in London. That was a pretty cool experience. It just like there were so many people in the stands, like the stands were packed. And my dad and my sister were... I think at the at the 200 mark and I heard my dad at every lap except for the last lap 
which was crazy. He's so loud. And yeah, it was just an amazing, the atmosphere was amazing. And I ran a great race and I made it out of the first round into the semis. So that was really exciting for me. Um, and I PB'd in that race as well. And it was just, it was a very exciting heat to be in because just the women were just going so fast. Like usually you don't have, I think like some people were running four minutes in the first round, which you don't see very often. So yeah. it was just, people were just running crazy that day. And it was cool to be able to step up and be able to make the the semis. So that was, that was exciting. Um, and hopefully I won't be as flat for the next day when <laughs> that second round in the future. But yeah, it was, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, there's, I, I find there's always one or two that really stand out. So yeah. it's, it's neat when you can hold on to those memories. Yeah. You still have eligibility in U sport. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it is a little different in U sport versus the NCAA and that there's not the age cap, not that mm-hmm. that would affect you anyway, yeah, but, yeah. uh, you know, we've seen folks like Melissa Bishop stay in a Canadian program and go on to obviously become one of our mm-hmm. best runners ever. Sasha Golish was the same way, mm-hmm. really used out her eligibility a little bit later in mm-hmm. her athletic career, mm-hmm. um, but also really benefited a lot from a Canadian system. So you just set a Canadian record. You've already made the switch to a new training group and a new coach. Mm-hmm. You've competed on the biggest stages in the world. What made you decide to kind of come back down a level, if you will, and I don't mean that with disrespect, but <laughs> yeah. to the youth sport level and ride out your last season of eligibility here? I think the decision is just to um, represent University of Toronto one last time. Um, I am still a student. They've treated me really well. Yeah, I just I just wanted to just to represent one more last time and be part of the team. Yeah. yeah. Will you be jumping in any relays indoors? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure what I'll be. What events I'll be doing? I'm, I'm guessing probably the three thousand. Um, it'd be fun to do a relay. I love doing the four by eight. That was really when we broke the Canadian record, I think in my second year, that was so much fun. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd love to do that again, but we'll see. I'm not sure. Sometimes it doesn't work out because the three thousand and the four by eight's a bit close together, but it would be neat to see the uh, Stafford sisters compete together one last time at the university level. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. You're, again, sort of in a unique position here as a public figure because you are relatively young. Mm -hmm. You are still just graduating university this year, but you're also, as I said, one of the most successful athletes in Canada right now, and you're also making this big move. You have a a very strong following and fan base, (laughs) particularly of young women. Is there any specific advice or any words that you would have for young athletes who are looking up to you? I think the biggest piece of advice is to really focus and put a lot of energy into your relationships um, because at the end of the day, that's going to be the thing that is going to take you the furthest in whether it be your academics or your athletics or just your personal uh, life and fulfillment. Um, It's not necessarily like the bells and whistles and like the school rankings and the you know, the fancy training gear that you can get um, that's going to get you to where you want to be. It's going to be those having those really good relationships. So if you meet a coach or or like meet teammates that you really connect with and you just have that gut feeling of it being right, then um, that's going to be the the thing that takes you the furthest. Um, And also don't be afraid to to make a decision that's not as common to make. Um, so you don't have to go to the NCAA to be successful. It's more about the program that is, that's going to bring you success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's great advice. <laughs> have you developed that sort of relationship with Laura and the training group there? 
I know it's still young, but yeah. are you, I mean, how, how is that training with Laura and, and, and Gemma, right? Yeah. yeah. And Gemma, um, they're both, they're both amazing. It's, um, you, you meet a lot of personalities on the track circuit and they're just both been really welcoming and they're, they're both very confident without egos, which is not necessarily rare, but it's, it's just great to see it when, when you meet someone like that and they're both really, really fun to be around and, um, Oh yeah, so um, yeah, so when I when I went to Glasgow, I had to like pick out a wedding dress, and I didn't obviously like Lucia can't fly over to pick a wedding dress for me. Um, so Lucia and I did a little bit of a, a like a looking online, and I found this one dress that I loved, but there was only one left in my size at this dress shop in Glasgow, and so I asked Gemma. I was like Gemma, like are you back in town? Cause she was in, uh, I think it was somewhere in England doing some testing. And so I asked her when she was back because I wanted to go cause they didn't put it on hold or anything. And I was like, they can't, can't not have this dress. And so she came right off the plane, like half an hour before the store closed. And we went to the wedding dress shop together and um, we, we came into the store and they're like, we're closing in half an hour. And it's like, that's okay. We just want to try on this dress. That's amazing. Yeah, and and so is that the one you ended up with? Yeah, that's the one I ended up with. So we tried a couple others as well, but it was just like, I known this person for, you know, I think just like a month at that point. Um, and she just like, got straight from the airport to meet me at this wedding dress shop before it closed. Wow. And yeah, it was just like, just, they're both like so thoughtful and, um, yeah. And I'm very lucky to have good training partners. Yeah. Yeah. And good friends. It sounds like. Yeah, definitely. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming in today, Gabriella. And we wish you the best of luck with your last season of eligibility at the university of Toronto and with all of the adventures that the next year and a half will bring. Thanks so much, Kate. And that's our show. Thanks for tuning in this week. And remember that you can find the ShakeOut podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ShakeOut Podcast. Stay warm out there and talk again soon. Hold up. 